Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Investing Talk. This is Aurelia. I'm here with Darcy, darcywhite.ca, and Glenn, glennsutherland.com. So today we will be talking about uh, what what should you do, what should you do? What are the opportunities or the possibilities um, that are that present themselves for you if you have a big pile of cash? What should you do with that? I get a little bit about my background because I was going to pr propose this question, right? So yeah. I just had a bunch of sales that happened in like we're recording this in January, so that happened in December, and then I I have uh, I think four sales set up for February, right? Um, yeah. So every once in a while, you, you come in and do chunks of cash, right? From sales, right? Rather than, you know, your cash flow or wherever else you earn your money. So it just comes into this whole thing. Like a lot of times I don't use money to buy real estate anymore. Um, like, so it's a, it's, a, it's a weird sort of thing. A lot of times I'll partner and I won't use money, right? So mm -hmm. what do you do with the money? Um, well, what would you do with the money when you do this, right? So if you have that cash right now, you know, the interest rates... I've increased that drastically, yet. stabilizing, going a little lower, but they're they're mu very much they come, they're much higher compared to the, the bottom rates we had uh, we were accustomed to in the past years. And what's happening now is some mortgages are renewing, and the borrowers may not be able to service the debt, so there might be an opportunity. To purchase some properties uh, if those people have to stress to stress sell uh, and also if you talk to people off market if you talk to owners directly uh, you can tell the owners one way to negotiate with them is to tell them i can offer the price from a year ago because typically the prices the owners are still accustomed to those higher prices we had that were allowed, that were possible thanks to the interest rates being so low. So you can tell them, I'm happy to provide you or offer you that price, but then you would have to offer me those mortgage terms. So that's a way to introduce uh, seller carry and that's a possibility of doing it that way. Yeah, that's uh, good. For me, I have a buy and hold portfolio. Uh, so that that's likely what i would continue to do if i was presented with a, a cash a cash event like a, a large pile of cash that's what i would look at uh, in canada you can take advantage of um, uh, the cmhc financing uh, so you can uh, you can get into some uh, larger deals with them um, so thing. ari maybe i just want to make sure we we clarify that so yeah. you were saying that if if you had some money you would see you approach the sellers um directly ideally and see if they would do it like a seller carry but if you're going to do seller carry or asking them to do like a subject to or seller financing or one of those strategies typically especially if you're willing to pay a higher amount for the property would that not mean that like you don't need much money right like typically that's the trade-off if i'm going to put less money in then i'm going to pay a higher price Right. So whenever I, I'm offering I, that, I want to put in like um, zero or no low money if I'm mm -hmm. going to be paying a higher price. Yeah. Typically what I've seen, uh, recent deals I've seen in, in the US, uh, the sellers wanted the larger down payments because they want to have some money already. They're willing to carry, but only so much. And 
there is what is called a capital reserve uh, for uh, when you do. A, so I won't get into the details of it. But for for example, in Canada, uh, if you want to carry a mortgage and and um, save on capital gains tax, uh, it's over five years that mm -hmm. you can do that. So uh, and the cases I've seen, typically sellers like to have a, a, a bigger. They want to see that the the buyer has skin in the game because if the buyer defaults, there they have to um, to. Uh, yeah. Get uh, the property back, and uh, you know mm -hmm. if uh, they made a mess, then they're 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 liable for it. They're, they have to. Uh, okay. That's. I don't know. I, I look at it a little bit differently. Like that's where I was going. Is whenever I'm doing the, if I'm looking for a seller carry, I want to put less in, and if I'm going to put more in, then I'm like, I might as well bring in even a private lender or something like that in order to be able to close cash to get the the discount right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still don't want to give them everything. I don't want to give them all of the, <laughs> I don't want to give them all the cash and the high price, right? Or they better have a long term, like we're doing a subject two and I get to finish off this 25 year mortgage. There's got to be, there's got to be an upside and they have, must have like a low mortgage rate, um, in order to make this even work. Right. Yeah. So basically Ari's answer though, is that. If you had a chunk of money, you'd invest in more real estate rather than, mm -hmm. you know, say paying off your mortgage or investing in someone else's project. What you would do is invest in another project. Correct? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I just did. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead, Ari. But yeah. So I would. So, yeah. So part of my answer is, yeah, I'm buy and hold. So for my personal thing, I would keep going with my strategy, which is buy and hold. So look at properties and um, uh, yeah I like to keep some cash just for the in case uh, yep. in case something goes wrong in case there is a big capital expenditure yep. uh, I like to uh, have the uh, it's, good, it's good to have cash in case you have uh, an interest rate hikes uh, a large large vacancy you know you never know what can happen so it's good uh, it's good to, I think I find it calming to have a big pile of cash and then there are different buckets because the other things you can do um I was here listening to something about um, how to educate your children about uh, financial literacy and you don't want to uh apparently the the initial years are key so when they first start when they're aged enough so that they can start working you want them to understand the value of money so you don't want to make it easy in those years but what i'm thinking of doing is uh, i'd like to put ten thousand dollars away in, and invest it in the s p 500 following uh, um, uh, warren buffett's recommendation just put it in an index fund. Actually, actually ideally, you know, the a total return. Where, so I'm not giving you financial advice. That's what I'm doing. I, I, I'm looking for a total return where they reinvest the dividends that some of the companies in the S&P 500 uh, pay for my kids' future. So, for example, I looked and I did the I did the math. If I put 10k and it, let's assume you know you have a a 10% um, uh, interest rate. A 10% return over 60 years, thanks to um, uh, appreciation and uh, compound interest, it's it's close to three million dollars. So, and you can yeah. be able to retire. Uh, other yeah. other avenues you can look at is investing with a vetted sponsor. 
And for example, and it's very important in that case to look for sponsors that have experience um, in in the in the in the in the product they're advertising. If it's land development or multifamily, make sure they have done that in the past, or have someone in the in the team that's done it in the past, and that they're. Mm-hmm. And I, I would underwrite their underwriting, uh, especially if it's the first time you invest with them. And look at the area, you know, is it an area with drop growth, rent growth, population growth? Make sure that the basics, your basics are covered and it's the basic of uh, supply and demand, you know, for real estate. Uh, And the other thing is when you flip, I've I've heard a lot of people who do whole time flipping and and they were like, I wish I didn't sell and um, uh, I wish I had kept some of them. So... um, so you can invest in a flip and maybe, uh, you know, if you do several flip investments, maybe you can those uh, investments. Where my head was, was maybe I, uh, you know, I have this mortgage. Maybe I pay down the mortgage, right? Or pay, you know, they, it allow you to pay 20% per year, right? Maybe I pay off a huge chunk of the mortgage and, and just make it get down, right? Because honestly, over this interest rates going up, it has made it so um, my amortization schedule isn't proceeding, right? It's just... It's at a stop, right? You know, unless I make the move the payments up or make some chunk payments, this mortgage is never going to get paid off, right? It's just going to stay yeah. at the same spot. Um, so maybe I try to get ahead of it, right? Is where I'm going, and or you know, um, just like Ari was talking about, or you know, is S and P five hundred? Maybe that makes sense to um, do that, um, you know, or something like that. Invest in something else because honestly, we're active guys. And sometimes it's nice to have some passive income, right? So where my mind goes is I like real estate. I understand real estate. So where I was going to go is just invest in other people's projects that I understand that I can look at the underwriting and make sure that that works. Right. Or I can just go buy some more buildings on my own, right. Not take on partners, uh, and do it that way. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but a few things came into mind when I was thinking about paying off my mortgage, right. Um, one thing is I can't write off my mortgage interest on my principal residence. So, whereas on a rental property, I can. So if I can get rid of my principal residence and have mortgages on rental properties, there's a tax benefit to it, having just moving it from one spot to the other, right? Um, typically your home principal mortgage will have a lower interest rate though, should, than, um, an investment property. So there is a catch 22. There is something I think there is something called the Smith maneuver. So I, I won't I won't say more, but if people are curious, they can look into that. No, you're right, and I did look into that too, right? And that's basically using a home equity line of credit to basically yeah. use that to. Um, those interest rates are high now, right? They're prime plus. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're prime minus a little bit, you got already got a ton of money. Then you don't even need it. But yeah. So my mortgage, I did look into that, and that was a good point, Ari. And the difference was that I think my principal mortgage was six and a quarter uh, was what I'm paying now because it was, you know, um, a variable rate that I set up whenever interest rates were like one and three quarters. Um, and this went up that much. Um, <clears throat> so um, there's the difference there. And it is a home equity line of credit from TD. So the way that works is when you you borrow from it, you pay a different interest rate than what you're paying to the bank, right? So there's two rates. Um, so I think the one was seven and a half to borrow from my own line of credit, a home equity line, or I could pay the mortgage section of it at six and a quarter. So if you're going back and forth, you kind of have, it's 
you almost have to set up a separate line of credit, take a chunk, pay it off. And it, it doesn't work as smooth as if it was just a straight line of credit. Um, and when I was looking at the, um, you know, mostly I was just looking at videos of people summarizing it. And uh, the problem is that you're talking about two different interest rates where it makes the math a lot more complicated. And whenever they talk about it, they're talking about, oh, you pull it off at, you know, six and a quarter and you put it on at six and a quarter and it makes it super easy math, right? Whereas whenever you're doing it with different interest rates and you have money sitting around, uh, you, as you're paying stuff back, you're constantly moving principal or equity that are not, you know, the principal mortgage from six and a quarter to seven and a half as you do this, yeah. right? So you got to make sure you're making it make sense because just doing a little bit isn't going to make enough sense to pay the higher interest rate. No, you're ending you up with it in and out. You're moving it from one side to the other, right? Yeah, you're ending up with a blended rate somewhere in between. Yeah. And you're also mixing up your problems with how you're going to account for taxes. So if you're writing some off as investment and some as your house, which you can't write off your house, you're going to have to be super clear if you ever audited which was investment, which was house. And that gets kind of thorny and CRA is going to default to what I don't understand, I'm just going to charge you for. So yeah. I had the same TD one uh, probably 12 years ago. Loved it because they were willing to give me that great rate at the time. Um, but it had the same thorny kind of issues with it. Um, so I, I closed it when I didn't need it. But yeah, I know where you're stuck. And a couple other points. I just have a couple more left. So if um, there's always the feeling of having your house paid off for a huge chunk, it gives you like a a nice warm and cozy feeling right um that, that's that's one part and then the other thing about when you're paying your principal mortgage versus paying uh, mortgages on um rental properties you're talking about before tax versus after tax money right it, and so the even the tax advantages uh, are much better on paying off rental properties or, or making you know doing mortgages on rental properties the interest pre-tax and mm -hmm. um, whereas the post-tax, I get my money after I've paid all my expenses and taxes and everything else to pay for my principal residence. So it's it's not the same money. Um, I don't want to go deep into that, but it's not the same money at all. Um, mm -hmm. And the other part that really got me thinking, right? Because everyone here has probably re read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the thing is, if you want to go, you know, hey, I have money. I want to go buy a Porsche is his example in the book, right? <laughs> or, or, or I want to buy another rental property. I want to buy whatever. It's, you know buying an asset that spits off enough cash flow to pay for that asset rather than buying that asset. Like I think in the example, instead of buying a $200,000 car, you know, spend the 200,000 on investment property that spits off more than the payments. And then at the end, you still have the house, right? Uh, yeah. is, the, is the whole, the idea to it. The thing is with all these questions, there isn't a clear answer. Um, and I, I was just proposing this actually in our group chat. We just decided to turn it into a podcast because it is, yeah. it's, it's a hard, it, there isn't a right answer to this. It's just, I think a lot of this, anytime you have a hard question is to go through all, think it through. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest part is to think it through and not just make a, a rash decision is think about the option, different options you have and, and what you want to do. And honestly, I, I've gone to a point where I like to diversify and, more I think about it, I think I want to do all three options. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a kind of a numbers heavy one. I'm hoping that people can pull the threads apart because you're th seeing the calculations um, with both Ari and Glenn, at the options at this kind of question. I, I did take from this question, the question behind the question, or what I'm assuming is the question behind the question is if you have money, can you still make money in real estate now? 
with interest rates high or a high amount of insecurity and uncertainty? Is it still possible? Does real estate, investing in real estate only work when you can take advantage of uh, low housing prices, low interest rates, and uh, you know maybe rising rental rates and a rising mm. uh, amount of people? Right. Um, I would say if you had if you had money, and I I think there's lots of people that do have money. I I fully recognize that there are some that are struggling, and these this conversation might be you know challenging for them. I'm assuming they're probably not listening, but they're out, they're out there. But those that are listening to us probably have access to money. Here's a couple thoughts where I, you know, if I, and I am in the, sort of in this position, I am selling portfolio uh, assets now. So what would I do with the money? And where, where do I see opportunities? Um, I would invest with others, as Glenn said, like particularly those that are in the construction trades. Like right now, housing starts have slowed because of interest rates and because of jurisdictional uncertainty. When when they're throwing on new taxes on products, are you going to build something that could be turned into condos in Lakeshore or in recreational areas that's going to be subject to vacant home taxing? Well, maybe not. Now, some of those projects have just stalled. And those might have been really good projects with condos on, on slope side and on, on mountain ranges or whatever. But now they're off. So it's, the construction trades have pulled back a touch which isn't what you really hope for when you have a housing crisis. But I, I would look at housing with uh, investing with others. Um, Cause you're talking about a significant amount that maybe you're not going to do more of what you're doing. I thought it's a question behind this. Definitely as Glenn suggests and Rory suggests, put your money in with others, maybe in the construction trades. If you know a good builder that needs some, you know, the equity for a, for a project, maybe you could supply that equity and look at a three year return on it. Um, I would still buy. My partners and I still bought in Edmonton and as Ari described the exact circumstance where rising interest rates and the owner's expectation of a price that was based on a low cap. Well, we worked with them. We made some price adjustments over the term. It took us six months to close because of some issues that they had certifying um, the property and clearing uh, encumbrances. So while we're waiting for them to close, interest rates kept creeping up and our effective cap rate kept rising and or lowering and lowering, sorry, going the other way, which made it a more costly investment. Um, and over the term, they wanted to start filling vacancies that had crept in with low cost rents and tenancies, which was a mistake for us. So when we finally, we said no. So when we finally took the property over, we took it under contract full. We took it over with almost 20% vacancy, 10 vacancies on a 41 unit building, which was actually good for us because we re refilled them at proper market rates. Um, and we did just fine, the property's fantastic, but it took time, but we still bought, but these are uncertain times and you kind of have to have a strategy. Ari's outlined to one where maybe you do give price, but you get a concession on financing. Maybe your rate becomes somewhat blended or as Glenn says, you come in with almost nothing, with very little to reduce that uncertainty the changes but i would still buy i think there's still buying opportunities in many markets it just might not be fix and flips in the gta or in the greater vancouver area as well um, i'd look at second mortgages and bridge loans short-term 18-month instruments uh, find uh, brokers that are working with their own mix um, um, mortgage investment groups and that are doing small short-term loans uh, particularly construction loans um, mezzanine loans equipment loans, those kinds of things, renovation loans uh, for groups that are often overlooked. Um, 
I just looked at today, I was in my, um, I got an update. There's lots of work in conversions. Um, there's properties out there that are in the wrong categories now that litter urban centers. And if it's true that there will be a, you know, that will continue to have a lot of people working from home, then there's a lot of downtown plates that are filled with office that are ripe for conversion and groups doing conversion. Now this is tricky stuff. Um, might be the thing i think uh just out of receivership uh a century place in edmonton which is 14 stories eighty thousand square feet 30 percent vacant just sold for six and a half million full ask but that's less than half of what it sold for five years ago sold for almost 14 million five years ago there's a lot of value there and someone just bought a building with 30 percent vacancy and they're going to convert it into housing um, honestly that, that whole thing there just it's it's so different from the u.s because in Canada, there's value in vacancy because you can put the rents wherever you are, or, or, or they should be. Whereas in the U.S., you you want the place full so that the place is worth more, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so you can actually get lending for it. If you get you know too low of uh, a vacancy rate, then it's hard to lend on because there's something wrong with the building. <laughs> well, the same trouble exists here. If you go into this debt, like we went into this deal with a full building with our financing application in April, and we closed in November with 20% vacancy, we would not have got funding if we made the application at closing, but the funding was already there. It was approved and it became vacant. We also couldn't have got insurance had they known that by the time we closed, um, we got our insurance placed in September 13th. And by the time we closed in November, we had vacancies. They won't allow you to insure a building that has that kind of vacancy. They think there's not enough eyes on it. So there are the same problems, but we were able to make lemonade out of lemons, I guess is the old saying. Um, by filling those spaces within the next five weeks, we filled eight of those 10 vacancies and the others two are filling just now. Um, and I would say with market rents uh, substantially higher than what these people were, the sellers were hoping for because they weren't going to fix anything. They would run a dust cloth over the counters, open the door, and let the first person in that was had seven hundred and fifty bucks. It was not a good rental program. Mm. So, yeah, but no, those are excellent points. I don't know. With with uncertainty, there's opportunities for returns, and there's lots of uncertainty. Yeah. And you know, your question is is the one that's fundamentally out there for many people that do have investment money. Could you still invest in this market, and where would might you? I think we just laid out about six or seven different options there. Um, yeah, where you where you could do it, and you know this is informs both of us. Glenn's got money from flips, and you know I'm selling portfolio, so this will be my meat for the next ten years. Yep. What I'm going to do is exactly what I'm thinking of doing. And what you just said, like the number one problem that everybody has is typically it's money. Whenever you ask them, you know, hey, why haven't you bought the building? Like you know, I talk to my students, what, why haven't you done it? It's, you know, usually the number one answer is the money, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's the other thing, too, is whenever I invest with other people, I am probably going to, uh, I'm going to invest first with my students. It's, it's a double, it's a double advantage, right? So first of all, um, I know how they're looking at the deal and mm -hmm. I know what to do. Um, second of all, I can tell people that I have a really high success rate because I'm just going to make sure they are successful, right? Yeah. But my worry is that... Um, I'm just going to be an active partner, even though I'm a passive partner. <laughs> I'm getting paid passive yeah. money to be active. And that's that's yeah. the biggest worry. I'd have to like make sure that that was defined because if I'm going to be the money partner, I want it to pass a role, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway. Well, anyway, that's 
that's one thing anyway. Um, Ari, you want to take us home unless you have something else, Darcy, Darcy, you wanted to add? No, I'm good. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you everybody for tuning in. If you have money uh, to invest, now you have two ideas of what to do with it. Thank you for tuning in. Don't hesitate to send us all your questions. AdvancedRIITalk at gmail.com. AdvancedRIITalk at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.